When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What would you do if you were 29 years old, were deeply in debt with over $25,000 of credit card debt, had $200 in your checking account, and had five children to support? Where would you start? Would you start with buying and selling stuff on Craigslist? Welcome, my friends. Welcome, Radicals. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast for today, Thursday, September the 11th, 2014. This is episode 59. My guest today is a man named Ryan Finley. And yes, that is his story. He paid off 25000 bucks of credit card debt in four years with buying and selling stuff on Craigslist. I'm not sure that's where I would start if I were in that situation, but I certainly was inspired when I first started reading Ryan's story, and I think you'll be inspired after hearing it, and there are a number of amazing lessons that we can learn from his experiences. I first heard about Ryan several years ago and started reading his website, which is recraigslist.com, and today I have for you an in-depth interview with him. And we're going to talk in the beginning about his story, find out what he learned. And then towards the end, we're going to talk through some of his tips for buying and selling stuff on Craigslist, how to get top dollar and how to get deals. Remember, this is a man who has made his full-time living on Craigslist, supporting his family for the last four years. So if anybody knows anything about how to get good deals and how to get top dollar, I think he would be a good person to listen to. Enjoy the interview. So, Ryan, welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. I appreciate your being with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joshua. I've been looking forward to this chat. I've been reading your site for, man, it's got to be at least a couple of years. I don't know where I first saw it. It might have been your Life Hacker mention. Uh, I don't know how long ago that was. Um, but I have really enjoyed uh, reading your articles. I've learned a lot. I learned about how to pick out a good wa- good washing machine. That was a helpful article to me. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with uh, tell us a little bit about blah, 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 blah. tell us a little bit about your story and uh, and how you got started in the Craigslist business. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was about four four and a half years, something like that uh, ago. Uh, I was I had just gotten my general contractor's license, and I really wanted to get into business, but uh, I realized that general contracting and construction just wasn't something that I wanted to do for the long term. And I kind of realized that pretty quickly after getting my contractor's license. And um, anyways, I was just kind of at a a rough spot in life at that point. We were deeply in debt. Uh, I had had just been trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And finally, I was able to meet. I met with a couple of friends of mine, and they basically really pinned me down on it. They told me to pick an idea. We talked about a couple of them. And then they were just going to kind of help keep me accountable to make sure I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And 
And the idea was Craigslist, you know, buying and selling things on Craigslist. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, how it all started. Did you ever know anyone who was making a living on Craigslist? No, I, I'd never, uh, nor had I ever read any about anybody. Um, it was just something that I'd always been fascinated with buying and selling used items, you know, growing up, going to garage sales, you know, with my mom and, um, you know, and when you're when you're a young kid, when you're thinking about business, like that's all you can think about is just like, well, how can I buy and sell a video game to make a little bit of money? And that always fascinated me. So uh, when Craigslist came out, it didn't actually come out in our city, which is a huge bummer. Uh, when they first started out, it was just in a few cities, you know, sprinkled around. And um, but I had I eventually moved to Portland, and that's when I started seeing the potential of uh, of the the Craigslist marketplace. So, so you had the idea. I want to buy and sell. Craigslist was a useful medium. What? How did? How did you start? So after that meeting, I met with a couple of, a couple of uh, Chris and Jason, and um, w- one morning just met with them. And uh, I had two hundred dollars to my name, basically. And and basically the assignment was go home. We'd we'd agreed on. I needed to make a hundred bucks a day profit, and I would. Uh, email them every day, just telling them what I'd bought, what I sold, and how much money I'd made, and how much time I'd, I'd spent, just to mm-hmm. make sure that I was putting in my time. And um, so I, I went home that day with my 200 bucks, and I had to make a hundred dollars profit. And so I just jumped on, and anything that I knew that, uh, that I was seeing that was underpriced that I thought I could I could sell quickly, I would I would go out and pick it up and bring it back and clean it up and and then put it back up for sale and I was getting free items off the free section. I mean it was it was a real back against the wall hustle at that point. <laughs> so wow. did you did you did you think about just going and getting a job? You know, I I'd, I'd had I mean <laughs> at that point I'd probably had like 25 plus jobs over my uh you know through my life and I was just uh I didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. I was just kind of tired of it, you know, and, um, it wasn't just about like, uh, I, I have entrepreneurial blood in me and, um, you know, I'm constantly thinking of ideas, uh, business ideas and how to create value and add value and looking for opportunities. And, um, you know, and it was, and, and then I had long-term goals, you know, um, uh, that I was trying to reach to. So how'd you get into so much debt? Um, it was, it was a combination. Um, we'd moved out to Hawaii and, uh, my family and I, and, you know, we, we had, I had a credit card and, uh, we would just put a few expenses per month on it. And what would happen is, is it would just slowly, uh, you know, the balance would slowly creep up or like an unexpected expense would come up and it would, the balance would go up a little bit higher and, um, I just wasn't super, you know, I wasn't super disciplined. I am, you know, I wasn't saving very much and, um, yeah. So at that, at that point, you know, I would, I would call myself a pretty, um, undisciplined, foolish, uh, (laughs) foolish person with money. Um, so, so you're breathing. (laughs) You're like all of us, right? (laughs) So what made the switch? Why did you, what, what happened? What, what was the, the, the chain of events that led you to decide to pay off your debt? 
Um, okay, so that that's actually a really is a really cool story there. That I haven't really talked to too many people about. Um, so, incidentally, it was like five days before that meeting that started the whole Craigslist venture. Uh, I was approximately twenty five. Actually, I, yeah, I was approximately twenty five thousand dollars in credit card debt at that point, and some of that, some of that, like I said, was some was from Hawaii. Some was when we moved back. Um, uh, we had uh, after we'd moved back, not too long after that, we'd act, we were able to um, borrow a little bit of money for a down payment, and we'd purchased a house at. Um, we had a, got a great price on a house here and uh um but i needed i wanted i i bought it with the plan to remodel the basement you know to rent it out mm-hmm. to family and uh and i needed to borrow a little bit of money to fix to do that to do that work and so and some of it was that so it was you know legit some of it was decent debt but i uh unfortunately i'd put it on like a home depot card so um anyways um back to the story five days before uh i started the craigslist venture i was i was basically i was got i had i was at my breaking point it was the rock bottom i couldn't make my minimum payments wow. i was signed on the mortgage and uh i was just i was at that point where i was just like i, I kind of i lost hope i was like mm-hmm. nothing's working out i don't have any business prospects right now um it would just be easier just to walk away from it all and so I went out to coffee with my friend Jeremy, and uh, he sat me down, and I, and I told him what I was thinking about doing, and <laughs> he got a look over him. He basically, he, he sat me down, and he goes, Ryan, you do whatever it, you know, stinking takes, you know, basically, mm-hmm. to, pay your next, to pay your next payment. And he's like, start with your mortgage, because you don't want to lose your house. you got renters right now. And uh, he basically just encouraged me to pay my next payment and hustle my tail off mm-hmm. to, to to basically to pay the next payment after that and uh, one one payment or one debt at a time just to try to stay current and uh, and that's what I did you know I went home and spent the rest of my money on the got the mortgage payment paid and and then I think yeah it was like four or five days later I I started the Craigslist thing and and uh, yeah. Um, that's what started it all, and I basically just, it was kind of a blur of months of hustle, and started seeing progress, like, started paying them down, starting to pay the debts down, working really hard, and once I st- once you started seeing progress, and I started reading some financial books, um, yeah, I saw some hope, and that was it, I, I made, I was determined to get out of debt at that point, and so. Good for that, you. Yeah. Did you make the hundred bucks the first day? I did, yeah. I still don't remember. I haven't written down what I bought. But it was just like a combination of, you know, I don't know, <laughs> a couple of piddly little items, and um, but yeah, I made the, I made the hundred dollars pretty much every day for well, the first couple of weeks. And you know, there's one day or here and there um, after that that I'd I'd miss it, but then I'd start going way over, uh-huh. and. Uh, yeah, and, and and it started. It was, it went really well. So let's see. So a hundred bucks a day. Were you considering that seven days a week or six days a week? I was doing at that when I first started. I was for, uh, the first couple of weeks. I think I was probably working every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taking obviously some time off. Sure, of course. Um, you know, here and there, and I, you know, because I have a family. But 
um, I was with my back against the wall that much. I was, you know, I had to do whatever it took to, you know, to provide for my family and pay bills. So, do you have yeah. any sense of at the beginning? Like, were you working ten hours a day, twelve hours a day? Any sense um, of how long a day in a day? Yeah, uh, it was it was at least eight to ten hours a day because eight hours was like that was my, you know, even though I was working from home, buying and selling items, I needed to have a structured schedule. Sure. Uh, especially to start out with, and uh, yeah, so it was at least eight hours, um, some more, you know. Uh, some of the summer months, that uh, was in the, yeah, the summer months weren't until later. That was like five months later, but um, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I mean. I'm sure you're probably doing better than a hundred dollars a day now. Uh, uh, yeah. From from seeing how much debt you paid off and whatnot, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's in excess of that. But uh, I mean, basically, if let's assume that you work ten hours a day and you're able to make a hundred dollars an hundred dollars a day getting started, you know, after a few months, then at the low end, that's ten bucks an hour, yeah. and that's t- that's again more than minimum wage. Now I'm. You obviously need some intelligence and some skill to develop some skill of buying and selling and, and learning over time. But that was what so impressed me about reading your, about your story is that here's something that is sitting out there. It's a, it's just a medium that everybody has access to. There's no cost to buy or to sell something on Craigslist. And by going out and saying, let me see if I can connect buyers with what they want and sellers with what they want, you're able to create an income source that's in excess of a minimum wage, uh, minimum wage starting position. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, um, and you know, the, obviously, uh, you know, as every time you buy and sell something, you learn something. And, uh, as time goes on, you start, I began to start learning which items were more profitable, which items were in higher demand, which items had more room for me to add value to them. And, uh, that's eventually what led me to a, to the appliance niche because, you know, naturally you would like to make more money and work less hours. Of course. And and you know I I think I had one one instance in particular. I had a friend who was helping his friend get rid of a refrigerator, and I I went and picked it up for uh, it was 150 bucks or something like that, or 175 dollars, and uh, just came home, cleaned it up and reposted it and it was a nice side-by-side refrigerator and i ended up selling it for 500 very very quickly within a day and you know it doesn't take you know (laughs) when you put that amount of profit in your pocket after an experience like that where you basically i probably worked an hour hour and a half total Mm -hmm. um you know you, you start realizing the potential of of that little of the appliance niche and and not just the appliances, but other other products, more you know, a little bit more expensive products as well. So, because that you started with like, if I remember, and I'm going off of memory here, your first week or something. You, I mean, you sold a power tool for twenty bucks, that type of thing, where it was five or ten dollars at a time, right? Yeah. And that's where you move to appliances and say, well, you know, ten power tools at ten bucks a pop yeah. uh, of profit versus one washing machine at um, a couple hundred bucks a profit it doesn't take doesn't take a rocket science to say let me go where the margins are better yeah and a a lot of that was you know just really quick a lot of that was just part of the learning experience at at first i was terrified of losing any money Mm -hmm. especially only had a couple hundred bucks so i didn't want to buy something that wasn't gonna i wouldn't be able to quickly sell Mm because i I couldn't afford to just sit on items for a couple weeks 
waiting for them to sell and not make any money. And so I had to, I had to turn things quickly and I also couldn't tie up all my capital and just a couple items or one item for that matter. And, uh, yeah, but you know, it's, it's a learning experience, you know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, learning how to invest, learning how to, um, yeah. So, so how many years ago was that that you, that you first started now? Uh, it's been, let's see, it's been a blog. It's four years ago. It's been four and a half years ago, I think. I'm really bad with dates, but oh. it's yeah. Okay. Four, four and a half years ago. How like, how have you developed your business over over time? Yeah, so I, I eventually, I eventually, uh, I think it was. It took about a year, I think, or a little less than a year. But I eventually saw the potential in appliances, and I just went all in on appliances. Mm-hmm. I still buy and sell other things, you know, like I, I go to garage sales and, and just for like, a, it's kind of a, it's a hobby of mine just for fun. And I'm always just randomly buying things on Craigslist too. So, um, but yeah, I, and there, one of the reasons is, is because if you, if you, especially if you find a high profit niche, mm-hmm. uh, if you focus on that and become an expert in that niche, you, you don't have to work as hard. Like just because you have to, you don't have to think as much on every single transaction or potential purchase, and and that's been really nice, you know, because um, basically once you become an expert, you just you can, um, you know, I can look at a page of a hundred ads in probably twenty seconds, twenty five seconds. Wow! Just I can scan all hundred of them and and tell you which ones are are worth buying and which ones aren't, and how much money you could make on them. So, um, it takes much less of my time to do what I used to spend all day doing. So just over time you've it's become intuitive for you just to understand, okay, that that you know, this brand of washing machine has this certain value as long as it's in this certain condition, or have you specifically studied it, charted it out in some way? Yeah, it's it's basically it's recognizing the the makes and the models, like which brands they are, uh, the age, the type, you know, um, you can you can tell a lot about the condition of it, the color is important. Um, you know, and, and all those things, they, they'll affect, you know, how much, how much is that? I mean, how can I, how much can I pay for that and still, uh, turn a profit on it? You know, so it's worth my time. Uh, and then, you know, and then even once I do find items that I, or appliances that I want to purchase, I'm very quickly, or I'm, I can quickly scan through the, the actual description of the ad and of the item and, and decide if it's a good buy or not. And so I know all the, you just kind of you learn what red flags to look for and what uh, what to stay away from. So, hmm. so yeah. it's worked. You've succeed. Are you still getting out of debt, or were you able to pay off your debt? Yeah, yeah, we paid off the debt. Um, Congrats, man! That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah, that was a that was a really um, that was one of the, that was a really big accomplishment for us. So. Yeah. That's exciting, and you've expanded your operation, right? You have at least one person working for you at this point. Yeah, well, it's it's expanded and contracted a little bit. Like, um, I brought on a partner, and and we we went we worked at it for quite a while, and then it was just more of a difference in philosophy and like how we're you mm-hmm. know like partnerships end up happening, um, and so we went our separate ways, and so then it was back to myself and my brother and. Uh, and and just recently, like even within the last month, uh, I've been encouraging him to start up an operation back in in our hometown, uh, where he's got a couple girls there. So, 
um, yeah, it's actually right now it's back to me. And um, yeah, so. I was excited when I saw you put up a course because you're selling a course now on how to do this business, right? Yeah. I thought about this as, and I know you have kids, and I've got, I've got uh, one son so far, uh, and he's almost a year old, so he's a little early, a little early to get out in the pickup truck and start loading up <laughs> appliances. Yeah. But I've been thinking a lot about how I want to teach my son the skills of business, and one of the things that I've I've seen recommended in the past by many people is you know take your son to uh, or a daughter to a flea market, teach him how to bargain, how to ha- how to haggle, things like that. But where I yeah. live. Like, A, we don't have a lot of flea markets, and the ones we do don't have anything that I want. So it has seemed like, ah, that's not something I want to do. But I feel like for maybe like for a high school student or for uh, a home-educated student, a business like this on the side is way better than than getting some you know job somewhere, uh, just some entry-level job. Because yeah. A, you're learning the fundamental skill of business, and B, it's entirely self-directed and you can do it on your own time. You can do it more when you have more time and you can do it less when you have less time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I can share just a, a couple of little, uh, tidbits about what I'm, what I've been doing with my son. So my, my son's eight years old. He's almost nine. Um, he knows how to diagnose most of the, you know, most of the, uh, um, repairs needed on, on the top loading washers and dryers. Uh, he can already. I've already taught him how to scan the Craigslist ads because he because he just wants to. Like he's mm-hmm. very driven. Um, you know, even at seven, eight years old, he was already able to find the good deals on Craigslist. Basically, wow. it's not rocket scientist. It's it's teaching them how to recognize what is a recognize certain brands, makes models, and how much a good price is. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's takes a little bit of work, but you know, if they want to learn it, they can do that and. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, we homeschool our kids, and so, like, when I have a delivery or I'm going taking a bunch of machines to the scrapyard, you know, my boys love going along, and um, I fully expect with with a reasonable amount of work, uh, my son should be doing. He should be able to do most of the work by the time he's ten, to maybe eleven years old, and obviously the things like answering the phone for a sales call. That's I'm not going to have him do that. You know. Right. He's gonna, <laughs> Can imagine someone calling about an appliance and a ten-year-old answering the phone. Um, but but everything else, I mean, he can he already he can take pictures, he can write up the descriptions, post the ads on Craigslist. Um, there's really not too much other than moving really heavy appliances that they can't do. They just need a little bit of help on that. So, um, and then just the last thing is it's an incredible opportunity to spend time with your kids. You know, they're, they're, my boys will never forget all the time I've spent with them. Sure, you know going around doing pickups and stopping for ice cream and just doing fun things, you know, when we're driving around. And so, yeah. And I mean, it's a perfect business that it's a perfect business to be able to integrate family. I think about that a lot because I, I used to run a, a financial planning firm. And one of the things that I didn't like about that business, is I couldn't, it's not the kind of thing where I could easily bring, uh, you know, my children with me. But your type yeah. of business is one where you can be fully integrated with your children, and what an amazing way to, uh, what amazing, what an amazing way to teach them social skills. What an amazing way to teach them business skills. What an amazing way just to build time with them. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. I've had I, 
Yeah, both both in the good and uh, seeing the good, uh, learning about, uh, yeah, learning learning how to uh, um, basically learning how to deal with people. Uh, my my son, my oldest son especially, goes with me on a lot of deliveries, and so he's helping. He like holds my tool pouch as I'm bringing the washers and dryers inside the houses, and um, yeah, it's been great because it's basically it's not sheltering them from the world. Like I had a I had a delivery uh, about a month ago, and this lady refused to pay for the washer um, because she was convinced that she was hearing a noise. You know, that there was something mm-hmm. wrong with the washer. And, and I had to be firm with her and tell her that she was going to pay for the washer, or we were going to have to pack it back up and, and leave. And mm-hmm. she was trying to get leave it with her, and she would send a check and all this stuff. And, <laughs> Uh, it, it kind of got a little heated because I was like, this is not going to happen. Like, you know, this is how it's going to be. You're going to pay or we're going to leave with the washing machine. And, and he's standing right there next to me the whole time. And it, it got really awkward. And I said, all right, we're, we're going to take the washer. And so we packed it back up and hauled it back out of the basement. And, and basically, you know, the whole time uh, we're driving, driving back home, uh, I'm just teaching him. I was like, you know, I was teaching my son Moses, you know, that, uh, you know, not every not every uh, person is worth doing business with, and sometimes you just need to walk away and not. It's better to not do business with somebody that's gonna uh, that really is gonna come back to bite you the next day or a week later, and uh, it's just not worth the stress. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of really good learning and teaching teachable moments. Um, just observing, uh, you know, how to do how to do business with the public. So, right. I wouldn't be surprised if by ten or eleven he is—he's uh, capable of of taking a sales call. Uh, remember, Thomas Jefferson was running a plantation at the age of twelve. <laughs> you know, Ben Franklin at the age of eleven was—I think I could be mixed up on my date—but by about the age of eleven, Ben Franklin and his buddies were starting their um, uh, the the almanac thing that they had done. I mean, we've—it's throughout history there have been many people that have have served. You know, 12 or 13 has been a very traditional age for, you know, the transition from childhood to manhood uh, in, you know, throughout history in many cultures. Huh. Yeah, that's very interesting. I read, I was just trying to find it real quick. I couldn't find it, but I was recently reading a story about a, uh, uh, I think it was an admiral, and I can't find the name again, and I can't find the story, but it was talking about an admiral. Uh, it was a, a young man who was given charge of. Uh, was given charge of a ship. I think it was during the Revolutionary War, uh, and he wasn't. He was in, you know, he was in his early teens, and he was commanding a ship full of men. Uh, I can't confirm that. If I can find it, I'll I'll put it in the after after the interview uh, for the audience. Yeah. But it's just it's interesting. I, I think it's a it's a theme. It seems like young people are far more capable oftentimes than we give them credit. Yeah, you yeah, wrote absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I was just going to say that's that's kind of my, my wife and I's philosophy as we've been raising our kids is um, and it's kind of my philosophy in life, period. Is just, why, why can't this happen or why can't I do this? Why can't our kids do this? And, um, you know, so we have, a, you know, especially reading some, um, you know, reading some of the financial books that was really getting me to think out into the future is like, why can't my kids pay cash for their first house by the time they're 18. Right. They absolutely can, you know, and, and why can't my kids run their own business or, or learn how to run their own business before they're 10? And the kids pick up on that and, and kids tend to rise to the, to the level of expectations that their parents set for them. And 
unfortunately in our culture people and parent many parents set the, the expectations pretty low and um we've just been finding that you know we're not putting pressure on them because i'm not pressuring them into any one way one business or another but um i kind of i do encourage them if they want to you know to spend time in the different businesses that we've got going um yeah and it's it's been amazing so I've seen enough examples of it to know it's possible. Uh, there's a book uh, that I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list of people that I'd like to talk to about it. Uh, there's a man named Stephen Maxwell. Uh, he and his wife wrote a book called Buying a House Debt-Free. And with their children, uh, their three oldest children, their three oldest sons so far, uh, all of them purchased a home debt-free uh, by the time yeah. they uh, – See before they were thirty, and so like, kind of when they were starting their when they were starting their lives, uh, all three of the, their oldest sons at least have started off on that foundation. And if you compare that, I mean, I can I can point to you and your wife. Uh, you you teach your children at home, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Right. So I mean, when you look at that, and you start looking around in the uh, the home education community, I mean, you can find example after example after example of normal everyday. I wouldn't say average, but people of not extra special intelligence completing their college degrees by 16, 17, 18 years old and being yeah. positioned uh, with business skill, with the academic credentials to get started uh, at an earlier age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really, it's pretty mind boggling when you think about how far ahead your your kids could be, you know, compared to their peers at, you know, by the time that their peers are coming out of high school, like, yeah, not only teaching them not to be into debt and to save, but like to, to potentially already own their own home. And I mean, it just the position it puts them in going forward. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. So. Yeah. It's amazing. And there are so many people who have done it, uh, even just, you know, one of my, the things I'm a little bit bitter about is the fact that I was always taught by all the financial books I read as a young man that yeah, I need to save 10 or 20 percent of my income and that I was doing really good by the, if I save 10 or 20 percent of my income. And then later I stumbled across the, you know, all of the financial independence, early retirement community online. And I found out that people were saving 50% of their income and 70% of their income and 80% of their income. And I think, yeah. you know, I could have done that. <laughs> I could have done it without a problem. Uh, but I, no yeah. one had ever told me I could. And so for some, for some reason, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that I could do that. Uh, let's switch gears. And I'm interested in your talking through a scenario that is probably my favorite blog post that you wrote. Uh, and the reason is that that or at least of of your posts that I've read, it's it's, it's my favorite yeah. one that I've sent various people to. Uh, the thing I see about a business like yours is it doesn't depend on anyone else. And what an amazing boost to the con to your confidence if you always know you can fall back on this uh, on this as a skill as a skill to learn th th that you can exert. So you, I'm sure you'll probably move on to other businesses in, in the future. But just the knowledge of the fact that you could sell out your whole inventory, and if you you could start again with a few hundred bucks, or and you could build your business back up because you've done it already. Yeah. You wrote a blog post uh, piggybacking on a blog post that Mr. Money Mustache wrote called, If I Were Starting Over Again from Zero, How Would I Do It? What would you do if I took away all your money, took away everything that you've got, took away all your inventory and said, Ryan, you got to start over again? What would you do? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't even looked at that post in a long time, but yeah, I, I remember a lot of what I wrote, and um, I've often thought it would be a really fun, it would actually be a fun little adventure um, <laughs> to be able to like, almost be dropped in a city with nothing and mm-hmm. have to start all over again. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the, the first thing, the first thing I would do is, uh, you have to, as long as you have a place to stay, I mean, I guess how, how from nothing are we starting from? <laughs> you can start from wherever you want. If you want, okay. you want me to put you on the street sleeping in a cardboard box? I can do that. <laughs> if you want to be sleeping in your car, that's fine. Or if you want to be crashing with friends, I think it's unrealistic for most people that yeah. a friend wouldn't take them in on their couch. Uh, so let's start from there. Yeah, we'll start from there. And uh, usually that friend would probably have internet, but if they right. didn't, uh, there's public internet at the libraries and many other places, uh, and computers if you didn't have a computer either or a phone. And uh, but basically, the, you know, the, to start off, you just have to figure out how to get just enough resources um, to get your first item, or um, and 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 right off the bat, like going to the public library. Even without a phone, you can you can just start looking at the free section. And there's like I ha- I never added up the value from one day of Portland. That's where I live. The free section, the amount of stuff that's given away in the free section every day, it's it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. Like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take but just picking up one or two of those items that are just kind of decent to make. You know, you're not going to get. Sometimes you can make a ton of money on those free items, but um, anyways. Just picking up a couple of those and then and then reselling them, um, and it is possible to sell items without taking pictures of them. So you can just go back to your public library computer and, and repost it without a picture and with a good description. So, I mean, it really that that's where it starts. I mean, the, or you can start with as much you know. Um, you know, one of the things that I talked about in the post was just getting a, a mode of transportation like a bike. So going on the free section until you get a bike, get the bike. And then go from there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, of valuable free items that you can pick up with your bike and and resell. And and then you all you, then you just need to save some of that money and and then reinvest some of it, live off some of it. And uh, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 thing about the free section is that just because something's on there doesn't necessarily mean that it's not worth anything. And this is the to me this is the key with Craigslist or or garage sales, anything like that. Value is worth... What an item is available for doesn't necessarily start... You know, that, That's not necessarily what it sells for. There have been lots of times where something is, is valuable to me and I want to get a good price. But then there's times when I just want to get rid of something. And I've put yeah. lots of good things on Craigslist because I want it gone in two hours. And I know if I put it on the free section, somebody will be, done, it'll be gone in two hours. And it saves me the guilt uh, of sending it away, a perfectly good item away for free. Uh, excuse me, to the, to the garbage. I'm not, I don't want to throw something away if someone else can use it or repurpose it or something like that. So, uh, I mean, yeah. You can start with that. I mean, on, on your post, how to start from zero, you said starting off, you know, get a bike with a trailer. So that way, you know, you got to figure out how to get that and get one for free or fix one up or or offer somebody to, you know, some extra yard work or something like that. Get a mobile yeah. computer, a.k.a. a smartphone. Uh, get some yeah. tools, you know, get some tools for fixing dryers and then go right into the appliance business was was <laughs> yeah. was what it is. But to me, that's a formula. What I like about that is that's a simple formula that can be applied to really any business or any job. And yeah. as a metaphor, 
You need a transportation to get where your work is, work is valuable. If you don't have that, you've got to get that. Then you need to build some tools. And so whether that's in your case, you're talking about uh, a pair of pliers and a wrench or whether that's a basic skill set of some kind. You need a mobile computer, a.k.a. a smartphone, which is a method of marketing that. Uh, and then, you know, you just get started. And that's what the fundamental basis of business is. Every single business is exactly the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah. any tips? Uh, let's close with this unless you have anything else. Last, uh, last thought I have is any, you are probably the, you're the most experienced buyer and seller of things that I have, uh, I have ever talked to. Mm-hmm. Any tips for getting a really good deal and any tips for, uh, for getting top dollar for your stuff on Craigslist? Let's see. Let's go getting a really good deal. Um, starting, uh, well, I'll start the free section. You have to be really quick. So obviously everything on the free section is free. And like you had said, there are some incredibly valuable things that, given away, that are given away on the free section. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of it, uh, people are, like people will be like, for example, on appliances, they'll use their appliances up until the day they move, and they're like, just because they need to, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll dump them for free, at, you know, a couple hours before they move, and that happens all the time, as well as lots and lots of other items. So you just have to be really quick. Like you have to be sitting there refreshing and wait. And this, the moment the the new postings get listed, you have to respond quickly. And uh, if you don't, you're not going to get them because. In Portland here, there's hundreds and hundreds of people sitting on the free section trying to snag those items. Mm-hmm. So quick tip, how to get free items when there's 300 other people trying to get them as well. Respond to the item you want as quickly as you can. And then in the subject line, instead of just letting it autofill itself, offer a little bit of money. Like say, I will give you $10 for this dryer. And so there will be 50 or 100 other people that will respond to that free dryer. But Yours is going to stick out, and most of the time they will end up giving you the item because you're willing to give them a little bit more value than anyone else. You pick it up quickly, and you'll give them ten bucks. That worked for so. me. I had some tile on. I had I was cleaning out a shed that I had to take down, and I had a bunch of miscellaneous tile that was left over. And there were a few pieces of mismatched ones, but there were several boxes of some pretty good tile. And I tried to sell it. I'd had some good success selling of some other things. And I'd, I'd listed it, and nobody bid on it. And finally, I just I want this stuff gone. So I put it on the free section. A guy, and I said, first come, first serve. Well, then some guy called me and said, I'll come pick it up tomorrow morning. And I run a charity you know, out of a church. We, we collect this kind of stuff. And I said, okay, you can come tomorrow morning. And then some, and then somebody else texted me and, and said, hey, you know, is it still available? I said, no, sorry. Um, there was somebody else. And they responded back, listen, we really want it. We really need it. 20 bucks, and we'll be there in an hour. And I said, okay. You know, and I called the guy, the pastor guy back, and I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry, man. I said in the ad, first come, first serve, but this guy gave me money, and, you know, frankly, that I'll, I'll take the money. But he got a yeah. really great deal on quite a value of, of tile just because he offered a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great, yeah, you know, it's just a great way to, um, to position yourself to really get some of those free items. Um, as far as buying items, it, it really comes down to research. Like, know, know what you're buying. Know what it costs new. Know what the average price costs used. Um, and, and really, an item that has a flaw that you can't detect isn't a good deal. Like, you need to be able to know enough to, about the items to detect flaws, cracks, uh, problems with it. 
So, I mean, I get a lot of emails from people that are bought things and they ended up being lemons or they're broken. So, um, you need to know enough about the item to be able to, to, uh, inspect it properly to, to make sure everything works great. Um, and, uh, yeah. And as far as, um, you know, getting good deals, it helps if, if something's, if someone's overpriced something a little bit and you, you want to get a good deal on it, just don't hesitate to shoot out an offer. Just email them and say, Hey, I'm interested in the item. Uh, would you be willing to take such and such amount? No worries either way. Have a great day. You know, be pleasant about it. You know, some people need the money. They need the higher price and let them have that, you know, if they don't <laughs> want to go down, it's not worth being ruthless over it. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, and just be patient, you know, cause eventually if it's not, if something's not listed one day, usually that's when people get tempted. Oh, I got to go out and buy it new. Mm-hmm. But just be patient. Check later in the day. You know, check the next day. Um, patience is like the number one reason, uh, or the number one contributor of of you saving money when you buy things. And uh, if you're just willing to wait for it, you're going to be able to eventually find it cheaper. So. <laughs> The next iPhone, whatever, is going to come out, and there's going to be a huge uh, number of people going for it, paying hundreds of dollars. And in about a year and a half, they'll give it to you for 99 bucks, brand new, or you yeah. can buy a bunch of them on, on, on Craigslist for not much money, right? <laughs> Stay away from the bleeding edge of, of especially technology. I right. Be willing to live just a little bit behind everyone else, and which is totally fine. Right. And then one one more tip on the on the selling side. And this is huge. A lot of times, uh, most people aren't experts at, you know, in the market um, for the for their items market. They don't know what the average used price sells for. They don't know what you know the de- supply and demand is. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I encourage people, if you really don't know how much something's worth, price it on the higher side, mm-hmm. yeah, just by default. And um, and. And then, and I also encourage people not to put their phone number on it if you really don't know how much your item's worth. Just put the ad up. Let people email you if they're interested. If you put an item up and you get like ten emails in the first hour, mm-hmm. you probably greatly underpriced the item. And just take it down or tw- or change the ad, right? And raise the price. And and that's why I encourage people not to put their phone number on it, just because otherwise you're going to get ten calls and everyone's going to keep calling you until you answer. So, but if you just leave that out and you just you can, it enables you to change the price. And, um, and then the other thing is, is once you settle on a price, like, nope, this is what we think the item's worth. Be patient. Like don't, you know, cars are the worst So you can put a car up and you'll get 10 dealers calling you in the first, you know, 20 minutes mm-hmm. offering you half of what you're, of what you just listed your car for. What I encourage, I encourage people to wait, like set a designated amount of time, especially on bigger ticket items like cars or motorcycles or things like that. Wait, like, a week. Mm-hmm. Let the item sit up there at your listed price for a week before you drop the price. And when people ask if you'll take half or, you know, knock it down by 25%, say, I'm, I'm going to stick with our listed price for the first week. And that this that tip alone can save hundreds and even thousands of dollars for, for someone willing to follow that advice. So, Do you go back through ads when you're looking to buy things from old dates and try to make offers since you know that maybe you can get better deals is that worth the time um i i don't do it as much anymore uh i used to do a lot especially it all depends on where you're at i mean if you really and it kind of comes down to the hustle um if you really need inventory like say it's really slow 
Yeah, absolutely. Go look through all the old ads, the ones that have been up there for a number of days, and say, hey, if you still have this, uh, would you be willing to take such and such amount? And uh, a side tip, when you're making lowball or um, when, you're ma- when you're making real low offers on stuff, when someone's overpriced their item, um, be really courteous because it, you know, it's a real sensitive thing with people. And if you're really courteous and kind in your emails and, and you, you, you know, say, Hey, no worries either way, it really communicates to the person. Like it kind of puts them in a good, um, sure. It puts them in a good mood basically. Like if, if you're real harsh about it, like I'll give you half price right? You know, with like a grant, they're never going to respond to you or they're they going to respond. They're going to be absolutely not, you know, right. Um, be friendly and you'll get a friendly, you're more likely to get a friendly response from people. So you've settled on appliances, but do you think there are other niches that could also be good? I mean, you mentioned cars that may be good, maybe not, but whether it's yeah. things like lawn equipment or, uh, I don't even know, but there are probably other niches, right? That would, that yeah, would... there's, there's a ton of other niches and it's, and it's, it's, it's one of the things that's difficult. It's hard for me to write about each one of them extensively just because I'm not pouring that much time into each of one of them. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people that are doing, they're making, they're doing bicycles, at least part-time, some of them full-time, just bicycles. And uh, by pretty much anything that can, can be expensive, new, uh, you could usually make a living off of buying and selling it used. So bicycles, furniture, um lawn equipment, you know, small engine repair, uh, any of the, any of the niches where you can actually repair the items, um, that can be a, a good one. Electronic repair, um, computers in ele- in some of the smaller electronics, you really have to be good at it because it's, it's a really, it's a ruthless market. Sure. But you know, it, it's just, um, yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different a lot of different items. <laughs> I don't have like an exhaustive list, but um, you know, if it's somewhat expensive new, then there's probably it, yeah, the more expensive it is new, the more room there is for um, a used market. So right, and that's the fundamental of of really again like every item. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna go and buy a a, a recycled Dixie cup necessarily. But if if an item has some has some value, whether that's what a jeweler does, they buy cheap, they sell dear. Uh, that's what a pawn shop does, that buys cheap, they buy cheap, they sell dear. Uh, that's the fundamental nature of of business. And the key, as I see, and is simply that the service that you're providing is inventory and convenience. So as I look at car dealers, I, I think to myself, how does the car dealer make money? Well, the way they make money is that they have an inventory there. So when somebody is ready to go shopping, they trot right down to the lot, and there are 48 cars there that you can choose from, and you can buy it. Now, the person could get it on Craigslist, but the problem, you know, themselves and save probably whatever the dealer markup is, anywhere from a few hundred bucks to many thousands of dollars. Yeah. But the problem is that there's an asynchronous need and transaction. So unless they were thinking ahead, which is what most people don't do, and recognizing my car is, you know, I need to be starting to shop for another car and spending the next six months finding a deal. Well, then the car goes out on a Thursday afternoon. They have to skip work on Friday, and they need a car over the weekend. So you overpay by three thousand bucks versus what you could do if you had the time to shop for it. 
Yeah. And it, it same thing with appliances. I mean, you're providing a good deal for the people buying it, but you're providing the convenience of having it now, not having to sit around and look at the ads and then figure out how to fix the thing. You're giving yep. people a good deal, cheaper than trotting down to Sears and getting a, a new one, uh, and you're providing a service for the for the ones that you're taking away and keeping them out of the trash, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where yeah, that's where there's a lot of money. If you can if you can repair the items that you get back for free, that's where uh, that's where a lot of money is made. That's great. So. Tell us about your appliance school. I haven't been through it. I have just seen it, and I've sent a couple of people to go look at it because it seems like a really cool uh, info product offering that you have with your appliance school. If anyone's interested, tell us what's in it and kind of how that works. Yeah, yeah, it all it came out of I was it came out of consulting. I was com- consulting for people all over the country through the blog that found out about me doing the appliance thing and. And I eventually re- realized that I needed to automate it, you know, to some degree, and and also make the make the teaching more thorough. Like I wasn't able to. You know, there's only so much you can cover, you know, in consultations that are one hour at a time. And uh, so yeah, I basically we put everything that a person would need to know, starting from scratch with no mechanical ability or understanding about appliances at all or the business, and just walk them through what to expect. Um, what tools they need to get started, uh, which machines to buy and sell, how much to pay, how to inspect them before they buy, how to repair, how to clean, how to paint, uh, how to list them for sale, how to deal with the sales calls. Um, and then we added, you know, training videos and we have a, a, a forum with, you know, everyone else in the community all over the country in Canada. That's, that's, uh, a, a part of the appliance school community. And, um, yeah, it's turned. It's an it's an awesome little community. Um, so it's uh, it's the response has been has been very encouraging and very good. Like there's there's people there's many many people all over the country that have gone through the course and that are doing it full time and earning a living. So and then there's a lot more people that are that are doing it part time, you know, just getting it going. So if my son were twelve years, thirteen, fourteen years old, he would be taking it right now, and I'd say. Uh, 147 bucks for education that can start a business that can probably be done anywhere and probably save I mean you may you succeeded in making 100 bucks a day most days when you were getting started but I guarantee after a couple of years you had learned some of the tricks that you share in that course and to me that's called education that pays off yeah yeah especially when when the average appliance that when you sell an appliance the average profit somewhere between 120 and 140 dollars so one deal <clears throat> yeah, it, it pays. It, the course gets paid off pretty quickly after the first, if you sell first couple appliances. That's great. Minivan and a small trailer and a a, a, a web connection, and you're in business. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, thank you for coming on. Recraigslist.com. Links in the show notes. Anywhere else? Anything else you want to plug while we're on? Yeah, I was just in the the appliance course is over at appliance Ah, pretty cool. Perfect. Appliance com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Joshua. Thanks for having me. Told you it'd be fun. <laughs> of course, I've told you all the interviews I've ever done on this show. I've told you they would be fun. But uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Uh, I want to share with you a couple of things here as we wrap up today's episode. After the interview, I couldn't remember who the person was that I referenced as far as the admiral that I had said you know was a or was a admiral at a young age. And I couldn't remember all the details from it. So after the interview, I went back and researched it. 
And there will be a link to the Wikipedia article in the show notes if you would like to read. But the person that I was thinking of was a man named David Farragut, F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T, David Farragut. And David was born in 1801, and at the age of nine, he enlisted in the Navy, in the American Navy, when he was nine years old, and then he continued to serve in the Navy for the next 60 years until his death at the age of 69. And I'll read two quick paragraphs here from the Wikipedia article. So remember, he was born in 1801. So listen to this right here. Through the influence of his adopted father, Farragut was commissioned as a midshipman in the United States Navy on December 17, 1810, at the age of nine. A prize master by the age of 12, Farragut fought in the War of 1812, serving under Captain David Porter. While serving aboard the USS Essex, Farragut participated in the capture of HMS Alert on August 13, 1812, then helped to establish America's first naval base and colony in the Pacific, named Madisonville, during the ill-fated Nuku-Hiva campaign. At the same time, the Americans battled the hostile tribes on the islands with the help of their Tele allies. Farragut was 12 years old when, during the War of 1812, he was given the assignment to bring a ship captured by the Essex safely to port. He was wounded and captured while serving on the Essex during the engagement at Valparaiso Bay, Chile, against the British on March 28, 1814. So he'd be be 13 years old at that time. Farragut was promoted to lieutenant in 1822 during the operations against West West Indian pirates. So that would be at the age of 21. In 1824, age of 23, he was placed in command of the USS Ferret, which was his first command of a U.S. naval vessel. And then it goes on with more details. Isn't that amazing? So clearly he wasn't given the full command of a U.S. Navy vessel, which is what I was remembering until the age of 23. But at 12 years old, he was assigned to be the captain, a prize master. So a prize would be when uh, they defeated another ship, and the prize master would be the captain that they put on board that ship to bring it into port. A prize master given the assignment to captain a ship and bring it into port at the age of 12. Amazing, huh? <laughs> we'll talk more about that stuff later. A couple of quick uh, things that learned from the interview with Ryan. And then one mentioned about his course, uh, because after the, after the uh, call, we were talking about his uh, course as far as his appliance school course. And uh, he offered me an affiliate link, and I'll give you that information uh, real quick in, in just a moment. Uh, that was cool. It was unexpected, but I'll mention that to you in case you're interested in checking out his appliance school. So first of all, a couple of things. Number one, notice some of the themes. Ryan had a system of accountability, and with his friends that he had to email and he had to be accountable for his actions. I've noticed this theme among a lot of entrepreneurs. And so consider, is there a way that you can put some accountability into your life? Because without that system of accountability, I'm not sure that he would have been as effective at building his business. Maybe so, but I think that probably helped a lot. He was also in that do or die situation, that that place of desperation, having to make something happen. And that's a serious uh, place that can really result in major changes. 
he learned a lot through the process. He started off not exactly knowing what he was doing, but then he continued to do an 80-20 analysis and focus on where his highest profit was coming from. And then he was able to cut out some of the lower profit activities and focus on the higher profit activities. That's what's nice about entre- – one thing that's nice about entrepreneurship is you can get rid of the activities that are not very productive. You don't just have to keep doing them. And then notice that his business has led to new businesses that he probably didn't ever anticipate. Uh, he, if he hadn't, I don't, I don't know how successful his appliance school sales have been for him. Uh, I really don't. Um, I, but I bet you they're making him some money. I mean, it seems like if I, if I had the bandwidth, I would. If I were going to interested in this kind of business, I would take it. I would buy the, the school just because I would imagine it would save you at least a six months or a year worth of experience from learning how to do it. Well, that's a new income source. He's got a school that he set up called Shirt School, how to learn the T-shirt business, and then a scrap metal school. I don't know how much money he's making on that stuff. Uh, I didn't ask, and it's none of my business. But he probably didn't anticipate those things when he was sitting there at the coffee shop with his friends. So get started and see what happens as time goes on. See where things take you. And the last thing is I was just struck by how strong his position is as far as having a fallback position. Once you've made a living with Craigslist and a a smartphone, do you have any fear of failing? I'm sure you still have the fear, but at least you know, hey, I can still go back and do that. So wherever his business opportunities and business pursuits take him in the future, I am sure that that will set um, set him up. And especially for his kids as well. What an awesome learning experience. Check out the article that I will link in the show notes that he wrote about some other high school kids that got in touch with him a couple of years ago. Just two kids, and they were working after school and during the summer on their own business. And they started up their own business doing this and earned far more than uh, whatever they would have made in a retail job. So hopefully you check that out. If you're interested in the appliance school, like I said, after we closed up the interview, uh, Ryan told me that he, he offers uh, affiliate links. So if you're interested in the appliance school, he went ahead and set one up for me. Wrong button. There we go. Uh, he set one up for me, and uh, it's linked in the show notes. It's at uh, appliance What is it? Slash question mark A equals R. RFP. Looks like he put that in wrong. RPF. Oh, well. Uh, just follow the link in the show notes. Uh, that'll take you directly to where it needs to be and I'll get a credit I don't know I don't remember what he said as far as how much it was but I'll get some sort of uh, referral commission for that if you're interested in checking out his appliance school haven't been through it myself Uh, I have checked out his sales page Uh, I haven't been through it myself but uh, I definitely think I would I'm pretty sold on that if I were starting an appliance business, I would. So maybe this would be an opportunity for some of you who are looking for some part-time income or, or looking for some full-time income even. Who knows? So, And if you do go through it, uh, I would love to hear from you. I would love to love to hear from you. And then if you, also, the other thing, if any of you know, if any of you are involved in home education and teaching your children and implementing and integrating your children into your business, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to interview on the show. That's a special interest of mine is how to integrate your children into your business from an early age to give them useful skills that they can generate money beyond just simply uh, going and taking a retail job at the age of 16. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good place to start, but maybe there might be a way that we could set our kids up for higher earning potential and a little bit more, a little bit more financial success and business, business skills on the way through. So if any of you are involved with that, or if any of you are familiar with people who have done a really great job, maybe you read their blog or you've read their books, uh, I would love to get that information. I'd love to have them on the show. That's it for today's show. I hope that you all have a lovely Thursday.
Thank you for listening to today's show. This show is intended to provide entertainment, education, and financial enlightenment. Your situation is unique, and I cannot deliver any actionable advice without knowing anything about you. This show is not and is not intended to be any form of financial advice. Please, develop a team of professional advisors who you find to be caring, competent, and trustworthy, and consult them because they are the ones who can understand your specific needs, your specific goals, and provide specific answers to your questions. Hold them accountable for your results. I've done my absolute best to be clear and accurate in today's show, but I'm one person and I make mistakes. If you spot a mistake in something I've said, please come by the show page and comment so we can all learn together. Until tomorrow, thanks for being here.